This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spence. I first learned about the concept of code switching in my freshman year of college. I had quickly realized that many of the self-deprecating jokes I had grown up making at my Jewish day school didn't land the same amongst non-Jews, and learning this term gave me the vocabulary to name the linguistic choices I found myself making among different company. In one particular instance, a turn of phrase I had used casually felt anti-Semitic when a peer parroted it back to me. Though I knew she was only repeating the words I had used to talk about my own experience. Every day we make decisions about what to say and how to say it based on who might be listening. In this week's story, teller Nestor Gomez shares how he learned to meld his heritage and his community through a variety of linguistic choices. Recorded live at Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago in February 2023, Second Story is proud to present Code Switching. I was born and raised in Guatemala, but for the last three decades of my life, I have lived in the United States, not able to go back to my native country. First, due to my undocumented status, and years later, after finally becoming a USA citizen, I was broke. <laughs> and the trip is expensive. So imagine my surprise and delight when my wife asked me just months after our wedding, how about if we take a trip to Guatemala as a late honeymoon? I knew then that I had married the woman of my dreams. A few months later, I was proudly showing my new wife the places and memories of my childhood. I walked around with a sense that I was finally back on the place where I belong. Let's get some authentic Guatemalan food. I told my wife as we entered a restaurant and sat at a table. A server approached our table and started to speak English to my wife. ¿Qué tienen de especiales? She asked in Spanish. Surprised that my, my, my American-looking wife had asked for the specials in Spanish, the server looked at her, and then he looked at me, as if to make sure it wasn't a trick. <laughs> you can speak to her in Spanish. She can speak it fluently, I told the server in Spanish. ¿De dónde es usted? Where are you from? He, the server asked my American-looking wife. She explained that she had taken Spanish while she was in high school in Chicago. Plus, she had befriended many Latin people while taking salsa lessons, and that's how she had learned the language. Además, mi esposo es Latino. She added pointing at me, so he could see that I was her Latino husband. <laughs> ¿Y usted de dónde es? He asked, looking at me. This time, I was the one thinking I was being tricked. I looked around as if to make sure it was me whom he had just asked, where are you from? I wasn't sure why he had asked me that. I knew that I had been away for so long. But I was speaking Spanish to him. Couldn't he see that I am from Guatemala? I started to remember the days of my childhood 
when I played soccer with my friends on the streets, and we spoke several kinds of Spanish. We use the formal usted, meaning you, to use when addressing people with respect. The informal tú, also meaning you, to be used with those that you know. And the extremely informal boss, also meaning you, <laughs> to be used with those you are extremely close to. Yes, I know. This sounds very confusing for those that don't speak Spanish. Three different ways to say you. What can I say? I'm sorry? No. That's the way we speak Spanish in Guatemala. From an early age, maybe four or five years old, whenever my mother took me with her to the town market, I became aware of other languages spoken in Guatemala by the native people of Central America, the Mayans. Yes, those mystical people that you saw portrayed as an underwater civilization on Black Panther 2, Wakanda forever. <laughs> Guatemala, like many other countries, like many other countries in Latin America, was conquered by Spain. But there are still large segments of the country that are populated by the natives. And they keep the culture and language alive. However, the Guatemalan schools do not teach any Mayan languages. In fact, the government looks down on the natives and makes a huge effort to educate the Mayan populations on the use of the nation's official language. Spanish. <laughs> the Guatemalan school system does offer the opportunity to learn another language besides Spanish. The language is English. By the time I was 10 years old, I have taken English classes for several years. But like many of my friends, I had only managed to learn a few verbs, numbers, and pronouns. Quiero que vos aprendas inglés. My mother told me one day when she explained over my complaints that she had signed me up for an English immersion program after school so I could learn to speak English. At first, I was mad. I didn't want to spend more time at school. I wanted to play soccer with my friends. But then, I dream of suddenly learning, suddenly becoming popular by learning enough English to translate the lyrics of Michael Jackson's songs to my friends. <laughs> but that never happened. <laughs> Even the after-school classes did little to help me learn English. A few months later, my parents emigrated to the United States, leaving me and my siblings in the care of our grandparents and uncles. Years later, when I was almost 15 years old, my mom managed to save enough money to send my father back to Guatemala to help us make the trip to Chicago to be reunited with her. When we crossed the border from Guatemala to Mexico during our trip to the USA, any idea 
of feeling welcome or belonging in American and Mexican territory was quickly put aside when we learned that Mexicans spoke Spanish differently to how we spoke Spanish in Guatemala. They even had different names for food than we did. We learned this the first day after crossing the border into Mexico. We were hungry and approached a street vendor. Orale, quieren un taco? Do you want a taco? He asked. We nodded in agreement. He then proceeded to give us a tortilla with meat and vegetables. Puchica, este no es un taco? We replied. You see, in Guatemala, a taco also comes on a tortilla with whatever ingredient you want in it. But the tortilla is then rolled up into a cylindrical form and deep fried to a crisp. It's delicious. <laughs> but it's very different to what Mexicans and people here in Chicago understand a taco to be. Ustedes no son de aquí. De donde son? The street vendor asked, where were we from? when he saw our confusion. My dad, my dad paid for the food and walking away from the vendor explained to us that we couldn't talk or we could be sent back to Guatemala. We were traveling in documented through Mexico and we needed to pretend to be Mexicans as to not hold the attention of the Mexican immigration authorities. But since we were unable to coach wish from Guatemala and Spanish to Mexican Spanish, we were told to remain silent while we were in Mexican territory. We spent several weeks silently traveling from Guatemala to Mexico and then from Mexico to the United States before we finally arrived to Chicago and were reunited with our mother. Only after arriving to this country, I truly understood why my mother had wanted me and my siblings to learn English. That would have made it a lot easier for us to feel less foreign and far from home. A few weeks after our arrival, we were enrolled in schools near our home. The school used ESL, English as a second language. I thought that despite not knowing English, I would have no trouble communicating at school since some of my classmates spoke Spanish. Hablas bien chistoso. You speak so funny. Most of my classmates say when I spoke Spanish to them. They were either Mexicans or Puerto Ricans. They thought my Guatemalan Spanish sounded weird. I thought they were the weird ones. <laughs> but being in a minority, I soon start to learn to copy the way they use and pronounce words in Spanish. I not only had to learn to speak English, now I also had to learn to speak Spanish all over again. To make matters worse, in order to preserve a culture, to better understand one another, and to give us a sense of home, my non-English speaker mother required that only Guatemala Spanish would be spoken in our house. By the time I was a senior in high school, I often found myself code switching between the heavily Mexican influenced Spanish that I spoke at school and the native Guatemala Spanish spoken at home. I remember the day that I got home from school 
and absently minded addressed my mother in English. Hi mom, what's for dinner? Te soy tu sirvienta. Además aquí se habla español. What am I? Your maid? And in this house we speak Spanish. I tried to be smartest and I responded to my mom in Mexican Spanish. Chale jefa. Then mom. No me hables como mexicano. Don't talk to me like a Mexican. She wasn't impressed. Ay bendito. Oh my God. I say in Puerto Rican slang. With a sarcastic smile in my face. Ahora sos potorro. So now you Puerto Rican. My mom say reaching for her food and taking off her chancla. Her sandal. Está bien. Está bien. Okay, okay. I responded. The smile and smart attitude gone. As I, I immediately understood the universal language of the sandal in her hand. <laughs> By the time I graduated from high school, I had finally managed to learn a little bit of English. But I also knew how to speak Mexican and Puerto Rican Spanish. Only months after my graduation, I married a Mexican girl I had met in school. I started working full time. At work, I had to speak English. I found out that there's no faster way to learn a language than being forced to speak it daily. At home with my Mexican wife and American kids, we spoke mostly Spanish, like my mother did when I was in high school. But now it was me who wanted to speak Spanish at home. Spanish gave me a sense of freedom from the stress at work and made my apartment feel more like home. It soon became second nature to switch back and forth between English and Spanish, between home and work. But even then, I couldn't feel 100% at ease. Listen to what you have been teaching our kids, my wife said in Spanish one day as I, re as I was returning from work. She instructed our three-year-old son to repeat what he had said to her earlier. I heard my son say, he sounds like a watermelon. I said proudly, giving my son a high five. You think it's funny? That they are learning those watermelon curse words that you use all the time? My wife say, really upset. I try in vain to explain to her that the word pushika was a word used instead of a bad word. Like saying cheese instead of saying shit. I don't care what it means to you, she responded. I don't like how it sounds, and I don't want to use in this house. In hindsight, I can see now that there were differences between my wife and I, not only in how we spoke Spanish, but also in how we wanted to raise our kids. It's no wonder that only a few years later, we ended up getting divorced. As years went by, the more English that I learned, the more difficult that I found to switch back and forth between English and Spanish. I found myself using Spanglish phrases like, I had a bad day in el trabajo. My boss was being a real pain in el trasero. <laughs> Many years later, I found myself working at a factory where most of the employees around me spoke Spanish. 
It was now the complete opposite of what I had experienced during my early years of my first job. Now in my mid-40s, I was speaking Spanish at work and then English at home whenever my American girlfriend came over. She has a master's degree in English and teaches writing at a Chicago university. I have a high school diploma and speak English with a sexy Latino accent. <laughs> she easily dominates the academic ling lingo that I found so difficult to manage when I was in high school. I often feel a mixture of envy and admiration seeing her switch into academic parlay while grading her students' essays or writing a class syllabi, syllable, syllable. See, I can't even say that word properly. <laughs> but despite our different backgrounds, we communicate and understand each other very well. So much that a few years later, we decided to get married. That's how we had ended in Guatemala celebrating our honeymoon. But now, I was being asked by the server where I was from. I have been away from my native land, and for the first time in many years, I have started to feel like I belong somewhere. And now, I was suddenly made feel like a foreign in my own land. I wanted to scream at him, what do you mean where I'm from? I was born here, I am from here, I belong here. I was mad. Offended, even. But then, I understood. I have been away for so long, and I have picked up so many Spanish accents that now I speak Spanish with a heavy Mexican accent. I needed to coach switch back into Guatemala and Spanish. For a moment, I could hear my mother telling me, habla como guatemalteco. Talk like a Guatemalan. I smile, and using the best Guatemalan accent that I could muster, I responded to the server. Puchica voz, yo soy de aquí, I belong here. This story was produced by RJ Silva, curated by CP Chang, and directed by Reshmi Hazra Rustabake. Music and sound design was by Justin Cavazos, with live recording engineered by Young Wu. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is, is the Second, Second Story Podcast.